Hey, hello there, and welcome to In the Kitchen. This is the first time in the history of In the Kitchen that I have not said good morning. So look at that. I just, for the record, I got it right. I got it right once. Every other time, because we shoot it in the morning, so it's been an ongoing, but I just wanted you to know I did not say that today, and I don't wish it. I don't wish any of you good morning. That's Otherwise, I would have said it. So whatever time you're watching this, I hope you're happy. That's all I'm saying. Uh, my name is Darren. I'm one of the shepherds on staff at Fullerton Free. In the Kitchen is an ongoing uh, podcasty kind of video series that we're doing uh, for the purpose of... Um, sort of empowering and equipping other teachers to be able to teach the text that we're going to be studying on Sunday mornings in their homes in this weird sort of COVID season where sometimes people are getting exhausted from watching church on TV or, uh, or whatever. We, we were trying and, and continue to try to provide new and creative ways for people in their own homes to maybe prepare their own, uh, their own meal here of the scripture uh, that we'll be studying all together. So if you're, uh, this is the kind of thing where you could teach it to your kiddos or you could teach it to your roommates or um, God may stir you to just, you know, yeah, teach it in a different context that might break up some of the routine otherwise. So that's what we're doing. Um, my guests, this, my guests, our guests, the people with me here today uh, on In the Kitchen are Jeff Lilly, who's one of our shepherds on staff. And, uh, you know. Good morning. Doesn't know how to wear his glasses. Uh, and Christina Marindola. And Stephanie Tanqueray. Uh, Stephanie has not been... Did I say your last name right just now? Tanqueray, like the booze? Or uh, not like the gym. Tanqueray. Tanqueray. Tanqueray right. yeah. She's the shepherd of our high school ministry and hasn't been on In the Kitchen before, so that's why, you know... Welcome. Welcome. Yeah, we're happy to have you here. Thanks. And Jenny Key, who is... You you love and know her already. Shepherd of prayer ministries and a mentor, advocate, and all kinds of wonderful things around here, so... We're in Daniel 6 today, and as we've done throughout this entire study, uh, we're studying the whole chapter, but for the purposes of our reading, uh, we're not reading the whole thing, um, but, but we are sort of looking at the whole thing. But, but all that to say, this morning we're going to read verses 10 through 23 as we sort of kick off. So it says this, When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house, where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any God or man within thirty days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. <clears throat> no diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then, at the break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish, 
The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad, and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. All right, well, there's, there's obviously a, a longer section before and after this, and there's tons of great and sort of important things in there. But as we study this together as a church, um, when I look at the way I want to frame this, I really want to frame it around the idea of this sort of extraordinary character of Daniel. We've talked about this several times, even the overarching name of our series being Citizens of Distinction. Um, by the time we get to Daniel chapter 6, there's a, there's a really interesting switch. One, just one thing that I think is really notable here is that even as we talked about when we were studying Daniel chapter 4, Daniel chapter 4 shows that Daniel cared about Nebuchadnezzar. When he delivers the message uh, from Nebuchadnezzar's dream, he says, man, I wish that this dream were for your enemies and not for you. There's this compassion and this love from Daniel towards the pagan leader. What we see in Daniel chapter 6 is that there is love and compassion from the pagan leader who does not know God, except in the context of someone that Daniel serves continually. There is love and compassion in the heart of Darius, the, the pagan king, for the prophet of God, which I think is really beautiful and speaks to the overarching trajectory of Daniel's investment, right? So over time, I mean, I love the fact that at the beginning of Daniel chapter 6, when these um, when the other politicians are trying to plot against him, so early on in the chapter, uh, they say, you know, Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials because it was an excellent spirit in him. We've talked before about what that excellent spirit is. Um, that's his connection and submission to God. But these men say in verse 5, at these other satraps and officials, they say in verse 5, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. What a cool testimony. You know, like how incredible to live a life of such integrity that when people want to undermine you, right, when they want to try and pull the rug out from underneath you, they look at your life and go, we're not going to find any moral failure. We're not going to find any lack of integrity. We're not going to find any embezzlement. We're not going to find any greed. We're not going to find any treason. The only thing we're going to be able to catch this guy with is that he's incredibly faithful to his God. Like if we're going to get him, it's going to have to be there. How rad would it be if that's all the world could get us for, right? If when we say, no, Jesus is the savior of the world and he died on your behalf. And like when we, when we live this testimony, so often the world is able to go, well, we're not going to believe in your Jesus because you're a hypocrite or because Christian pastors have stolen money from the church or they slept with their secretaries. Like there are all kinds of reasons why our witness gets undermined, not because of the, the, the evaluation of the facts of who God is, but because our character has pulled the rug out from underneath what we've said long before we said it, you know? I love the fact that they go, eh, if we're going to catch this guy, we're going to have to catch him because of his faithfulness. I want to be that kind of person as well. Once they, uh, once they figure this whole thing out and they, um, they create this edict where people aren't allowed to pray to anybody but Darius, um, Darius obviously isn't thinking about Daniel's habit, but I remember as a kid thinking that Daniel at this point does this act of civil disobedience, you know, that like 
he hears the law that he's not supposed to pray. And so he's like, you can't tell me what to do. And he goes up into his apartment and he throws open the window shades and he prays anyway so that the people will see him doing this illegal thing. That actually isn't what's revealed in the text. What's revealed in the text is that he just continues to do what he'd always done. He goes upstairs and he prays facing Jerusalem, as was his custom. That also speaks to this consistency. Like They're able to trap him and have him thrown into the lion's den because his commitment to prayer, or we could say spiritual disciplines, right? His commitment to those things was so consistent, it was trackable. Like They could go, he's going to pray every day. So that's not going to change. Let's make a law. That's how we get him. There are so many things in this text about the character of Daniel that we've seen sort of reiterated over time. But to me, the, the most miraculous stuff in this chapter, I mean, I love the fact that the lions don't eat him. That's pretty cool. But, but to me, the most miraculous stuff in this chapter is the character of Daniel that's had this long-term impact on these pagan leaders to the point where they grieve and they cry over the loss of this man's life, even though they don't share his theology necessarily. So anyway, that's kind of the tract that I'll take when I teach this, um, is again, just looking at you know that, that demonstrable faith that builds a place for prophetic engagement, and Daniel's done that so well. So what else? What do you guys see? Or are there things there you want to expand on? Um, other things you love in this text? Or what, what are other tools we can offer to our folks at home? I was thinking about in First Peter 3, just thinking about the fact that they couldn't pin Daniel for anything other than just being faithful to God. Um, it was making me think of this verse, 1 Peter three fourteen through uh, 17. But you, even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Just thinking about, like, living a testimony like that, and kind of, like, embracing the reality that as a believer, living an integrous life towards Christ will mean suffering in some ways. But that's, that is like a blessed kind of suffering, you know, because God, God who holds the economy of justice at the end of the day, will write that, you know, right. and we can trust him in that, and we can be okay kind of walking through maybe an injustice done to us because of our faith. But if there's, you know, just living a life in a way that people cannot slander you is a high calling. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and even even the thought of, I mean, Daniel's approach to this whole thing feels so peaceable. There's not a lot of argument. Daniel doesn't, you know, I mean, he, he, he kind of looks at it and goes, yeah, you've, you've got me in a pickle here because... I'm going to keep praying, and I know the law. It's not that I don't know the law. I know what the law was, but that's not going to change my practice. And so, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, it's very interesting that he just entrusts himself to God, and, and God delivers. But it would, st it would be still an incredible story, like we said with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It would still be an incredible story if Daniel got thrown into the lion's den and died. Yeah. Like, that wouldn't change. I mean, it, it's, it's exponentially cooler that he doesn't, you know? But, yeah. But I think, and also like that story, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's response to it, to being told to worship the the image is to say, basically, we don't care what you say, right. we're not going to do that. Right. 
And Daniel, in his this, uh, to your point, in this quiet way, just keeps on doing what he keeps on doing. I think one of the thing, couple of the things that are so telling to me about Darius, is that he correctly identifies God. You know, it's not like the one of the great gods or whatever. I mean, the living God, the idea of that, and and I guess I really like the picture of him in travail during the night. Yeah, fasting. And fasting doesn't want to and be interrupted. Spirit, yeah, he doesn't want entertainments brought to him. He doesn't want to eat. He's just, you know. So I just think, what was that? What was going on in his spirit during that time? You know, was he considering, could this God really be who he is? Could, you know, all these things. His his affection and esteem for Daniel is evident in there too. But I, I love that he's a big part of this story. And God's desire that none should perish. And that he, you know, holds the kings in his hand and can turn different ways. But... I think, I mean, the kings are so important to these the stories, right? You know, from Nebuchadnezzar to Belshazzar to, to Darius. Um, how God speaks through leaders and presidents. Yep. Even, I mean, we're seeing presidents right. in here, too, as a, as a term. There's a key thing yeah. in what you just said, in that idea that the king knows things about God. Mm-hmm. Everything he knows about God, and we would say the same thing in Nebuchadnezzar before him, and unfortunately even for Belshazzar, but the, the concept of what is known about God is what Daniel actually reveals about lives, God, right. is what he makes known about God. And there's this, just a super strong reminder for us that the people around us, what they know and believe about God is what they've seen in us. Yeah. In other words, they, they, that not that God won't reveal himself to others, and that I think in some cases, even in this story, there's a hint of that, of, of how these guys look at it. Um, but that idea that what the king does know is because Daniel has been faithful to live it out, to talk yeah. about it, to put it there. And I also find that it's, it's striking that there isn't a law that you're supposed to pray three times a day. Right. You know, they're like, we're only going to catch him if they if he does this according to God, if we can it's catch him against God's law. It's like, no, I choose to pray. Yeah, that's cool. Three times a day. That's really cool. I think, too, it's interesting thinking about as a kid, like learning about this story, that the hyper focus is on like Daniel and his experience in like the den of the lions, right? But it almost feels like, I'm not to say God's not doing something in Daniel's life during this time, but the story almost feels like it's more for Darius, you know, like the fact that Darius would be so distraught about him spending the whole night and God would spare Daniel's life gives Darius the opportunity to recognize like, whoa, like your, your God is a real God. And Daniel already knew that if Daniel died, he would be in the presence of God. And clearly it doesn't seem like Daniel was that worried. Like if, if he died or didn't, he kind of just trusted God. But to think about like our lives too, and God using our lives to reach other people I feel like that's really clear in this story with Daniel's relationship with Darius and all that Darius goes through. Right. You know, just seeing Daniel get spared gives him the opportunity to recognize God in a new way. Mm-hmm. Yes, I like the the little Christ type. I mean, the 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 that he is <clears throat> that there's a stone rolled, you know, to keep him in there, and there's a seal on the stone, and in a sense that Darius is saying, like, come forth. Right. I mean. I'm just, I'm just wondering even what the picture of that would be. You know, how do they do that? I mean, are there men that are doing, rolling the stone away, standing back from lions? I mean, I, I just don't know how that all figures. 
later when they're throwing all of the guilty and their wives and their children, which just seems really horrific, right? Yeah. You know, and they're torn to pieces even before they reach the bottom of it. So I'm thinking, does he climb out of it? I mean, not that it's about the logistics of that setting, but the idea of the stone and the seal just seems significant right. as a pre as a yeah. precursor to Christ. I love that the king like pops his head in. He's like, "Was your God evil, Satan?" You <laughs> like, just like his understanding of like not truly knowing who God is, but watching Daniel be so obedient is like this attractive thing to him. Um, and I kind of think about like a basic level of understanding of like, okay, being obedient to God sets me apart from the world, and like the like language of like that makes you a Jesus freak sometimes, mm-hmm. or like the separation from the world but it's actually like how much the king respects him that gives him faith to be like, did your God save you? Like, cause I think he can, cause you're so faithful and obedient mm-hmm. that it's like, it's the goodness of like living like God that attracts other people to it, which I think is really cool. I just love that the king's like, there's an excitement that comes to others when they see the excitement you have. Yeah. And the idea that Daniel he ends up knowing at least four Kings, you know, in this process and so, you know, from Nebuchadnezzar to Belshazzar, Darius, and then um, uh, Cyrus comes next. He has this role in all these kings' lives, and they all get this snapshot of something really cool going on. But the reality is Daniel gets to sit on the front line of all that. Mm-hmm. He sees all of this happen. He is in there all night with an angel who comes in. and You know, he's getting the front line, but because he is, not only is it exciting for Daniel, but for those who come alongside of Daniel, they're like, what's going on with you? There's something different about this God you serve. Right. And once again, I think that that's a, it's a key component of what's going on here is they know about God because of how Daniel lives his life. Daniel has this exciting front row seat to God doing amazing things. Yeah. I love the fact that there are several times where Darius refers to God as the one Daniel serves continually, you know, like that. And I think, man, I wonder if the people I know, my friends who aren't Christ followers, if part of the way they think about Jesus is, oh, Jesus who Darren serves or Jesus who Darren believes in or trusts or loves or follows. And I wonder if there's like more intentional ways to live in such a way that Jesus becomes defined by my affection for him or by my service to him or whatever. You know, I mean, I... That's a maybe that's a lofty goal, but how cool would it be to live a life in these days in such a way that when people think about Christ, who they may not even trust or, or believe in, they would go, "Oh yeah, that that's that's Darren's king, or that's Darren's savior, or whatever." I mean, it's it's a cool. And I'd like to think that that Daniel had this compassion in his heart. Like when he goes up to pray, he's praying, and it says that he has this plea. So what is he praying for? Is he done previously? He'd gone and prayed and give thanks before his God. And he says he found uh, they found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Yeah. That he is literally crying out for the needs of others, yeah. as he always did. That there's this thing about him that drives him to God. Yeah. I kind of wondered, and we can finish here because we're just about out of time. But I, I wonder in that petition if he's praying for a courageous death. You know, so not not that he wouldn't be praying for other people. And then that sort of leads me to wonder if he was disappointed that he lived. You know what I mean? Like, we don't see it in the text, but is there, a, is there something spectacular about being able to go out in a ball of glory? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I got thrown to the lions and killed and martyred for what I believe. 
And God stops up the mouths of the lions. So, like, if that prayer is, okay, I know this leads to my death, so just let me be courageous, let me honor you well. We're, obviously, we're putting some things in between the lines. But then he gets thrown into the lion's den, and he's, you know, ready for it. And then the angel's like, oh, we're not done with you yet. God's got more things he wants to do with you. And th- there's a different story we're telling here. I wonder if in some sense, because you know he had to be prepared sure, to, to meet God, you know, when they throw him in the hole. Um, so it's interesting that it doesn't go the way you think. Maybe not. Maybe you... No, I just think that if there's, like, for an adult assignment for this week, we should have a coloring page of this. One is that, you know, as the others are being thrown in and before they hit the bottom, what the lions do to them would be the coloring part. Gross. But then a final bonus question at the bottom, what was Daniel praying for? Yeah, I think it would be a great, it's a great spiritual exercise to just even process, what would you be praying for at that moment? Yeah. Well, thank you very much for tuning in, listening, and watching. Uh, as always, this is us, and we hope that your teaching and studying of Daniel chapter 6 <clears throat> will be uh, beneficial to both you and those you may be teaching, and that God will be glorified in it. Have a great week. We'll see you later. Bye.